Well, I don't know about you, but uh, for those of you that have kids, when I first had a kid, I was very unprepared for how much my life would change. You feel me on this, right? Like the birth of a child changes everything. I remember uh, just a couple weeks ago, I looked up online, I just did a quick Google search and just typed in this simple phrase, the birth of a child changes things. And all these examples came up and the examples were not the examples I remember. The examples were like, you all of a sudden get a, a newfound appreciation for how amazing your parents were. Or you all of a sudden remember that you've never wanted to sacrifice something more than you sacrifice something now. Those aren't the things I remember a child changing. I remember very vividly that very first moment I changed that first diaper with that newborn tar stuff in it. That memory is seared into my brain and will never leave it. It changed me forever. I remember what it was like to sleep in and that didn't mean 5 a.m. It meant 7, 8, 9 a.m. at times. I remember what it was like that the birth of a child changed where I looked over at my wife and I remember hearing her tell stories with other moms about their biggest win of the day being they got a shower that day. I remember celebrating with my wife, the birth of a child changes things, celebrating with my wife as our child came out of the bathroom and went potty for the first time in the big boy potty. I'd never done that before in my life. The birth of a child changes things. I remember when I used to go to the grocery store and I would intentionally try to find the spot closest I could to the front and I would take all day looking just to get up front so I didn't have to walk as far. But the moment I had that child, my only goal was to get a spot as close to the cart return so I didn't have that awkward moment of putting the groceries in and not knowing what to do with the baby and just kind of so I could have everything right there in one spot. I remember the birth of a child changing things. I remember all the things that my mom used to punish me with as a teenager, right? Like, you need to go to your room, you need to go to bed early, and you need to spend time alone. Once I had a child, the very things I was longing for someone to give me and punish me with. <laughs> the birth of a child changes things. It changes things. The birth of Jesus was no different, right? He, he was born as a, as a human child to, to two people, Mary and Joseph. And you can expect that Mary and Joseph went through the same adjustments and challenges and changes that any new parents were experiencing, trying to figure out how to, to balance their new routine, how to figure out how to, how to feed a baby and do this and to go about life and when to do what and all these other things. But at the same time, the birth of Jesus was not just a normal child, was it? The birth of a child changes things. The birth of Jesus brought about changes that the world didn't even know it needed, didn't even foresee that it wanted, didn't even know it desired because it changed things. We see this in the prophet Isaiah, a prophet in the Old Testament, who, who looking 700 years into the future, he tells the nation of Israel in the moment of one of their, their dark, desperate moments, he declares to them that there is a baby coming, there is a child coming, there is a son who is coming who will change everything we have ever known about life. He says it this way in chapter 7, verse 14. You can read it on the screen here. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Prior to this moment, Isaiah says, as God has never been physically present with us like this, he will be God with us. He is coming to us. And then in chapter 9, just a couple verses later, we see this, this theme verse for our series that we're going through. He says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, 
And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Isaiah lists off these these throne names, these descriptions, these characteristics of this child that is going to be born, that is going to change everything. And he says this child that is coming, his character, his quality, his nature, who he is, the way he acts, the things he does, he will be called wonderful counselor. He will be wonderful and wise. He will be a mighty God, powerful and mighty. He will be the everlasting father. He will be there in your moment of need and he will be the prince of peace who will bring calmness you never even thought you needed. He is good. And Isaiah continues in verse seven when he says this. He says, for of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. For this child will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom he will establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever and ever. In the midst of the nation of Israel's darkness, in the midst of their terrifying moment when the enemy is surrounding them, attacking them, and and coming against them on all sides, Isaiah looks and says, there is a child who is coming, and this child will one day establish a reign. He will establish a kingdom. He will establish a throne that will last forever and ever and ever. And then fast forward 700 years later, and an angel appears to a young teenage girl and says this to her. He says, but the angel says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, a child, and you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, for his kingdom will never end. There is a child who has a throne, There is a child who has a kingdom that never ends. Isaiah says that child, when he is born, everything will change. He will be your mighty God. He will be your, the Hebrew word is El Gibor. He will be your valiant warrior, your your hero, your strong and righteous one. He will be the God who will fight your battles for you when you feel like you are ready to give up and cease existing. He will be the God who will overcome every obstacle and every enemy and everything that stands in his way. There is not a wall he won't break down. There is not a shadow he won't defeat. He is the mighty, mighty God. And look back how Isaiah describes this in verse 6. He says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. I read this, and maybe you're much more theologically astute than I am, but I read this and I wonder, what does this mean that this child, this, this Emmanuel, this, this mighty God will have this government on his shoulders? Isaiah says he will have the the weight of the government on his shoulders. He will have the responsibility of government on his shoulders. He will have the the burden of government on his shoulders. He will have the, the duty, the responsibility, and all the things that come with governing. It will sit on his shoulders. It will weigh him down. He will have to bear that burden. And I read this and I say, what government like, what, what government is this child going to have on his shoulders? What, what government is he going to have to bear? What government will be his to place on his shoulders? And Isaiah says, the government. In other words, the government of everything. The weight of everything, the responsibility of everything, the burden of everything, the duty of everything sits on the shoulders 
of this Emmanuel. In other words, Isaiah is saying that the entirety of the universe, this baby is in charge of. Everything that has ever existed, everything that currently exists, and everything that might one day exist, this child, this Emmanuel, this mighty God, he governs it. He exercises authority over it. He carries the burden and responsibility and weight of it upon his shoulders, and it answers to him and bows down to him and him alone. The Apostle Paul, a guy who wrote half of the New Testament, he described it this way when referring to Jesus in Colossians 1. He said, the Son is the image of the invisible God. He is the the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, and in heaven and on earth. The, the, The invisible, the invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. For he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. A famous theologian, Abraham Kuyper, describes it this way. He says, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human experience over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry out, mine. He is a mighty God. When speaking of Jesus, Ephesians 1, God tells us that he put all authority and all of creation and everything under the feet of Jesus. He is a mighty God. He is powerful. He is sovereign. He is all-knowing. He, his, his rule and his reign knows no limits. It knows no boundaries. There's not a thing and ever has existed that he cannot exercise dominion and control of. He has an infinite power that we can't even comprehend or imagine. He is a mighty, mighty God. Now, I don't know about you, but I hear this. And here's the problem I ask myself. If, if this child, if, if Jesus, if Emmanuel, if God is so powerful, why is it I don't see it or feel it or experience it very often? Maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm not alone there, right? Like maybe we, we have these moments, right, where, where we're up for a big promotion at work. And we, we've, we've researched, we've, we've worked hard, we've put in the hours, we've put in the years, we've put in the months, we've done the things our bosses asked us to do to get this promotion. We, we've prayed about it, we've sought wise counsel, and we've put our name in, and we've said, God, I'm trusting you, you are powerful, God, and I'm praying, and I'm praying because this, this thing, this new job, this new salary, this new position could change the trajectory of my entire family if this comes through. God, we are begging you to make this work, and then somebody else gets the promotion. And we ask ourselves, God, Jesus, where is your power? We have a friend or a family member who gets sick. It's cancer or something else. And this person loves Jesus and they have a long life ahead of them. And we long for them to get better. And we pray and we pray and pray. And we ask elders to pray. We ask our small group to pray. We ask our friends to pray. We ask everyone we know. We go to God begging for them to get rid of this disease. And that person passes away. And we ask, Jesus, where's your power? We have a family member, 
or a friend or a neighbor or a coworker who we long for them to desperately know Jesus. And we've been inviting them each and every week, praying for them each and every week, hoping, that just hoping beyond just anything we can grasp, that they will see the glorious grace of Jesus for the first time. And finally, they come to church. And afterwards, they tell us, I'm not interested, I don't want to go back. We say, Jesus, where's your power? We long to get pregnant, and we try and try and try. We hear stories about this, people who, who try and try and try, and finally they get pregnant after years of praying and begging God just to have a miscarriage. And we say, God, Jesus, where is your power? Maybe you're here this morning, and that's you. You're at this spot in your life, this moment in your life where you're asking God, Jesus, like where, where's your power? Like I just don't see it. I don't, I don't feel it. I don't experience it. I've got these obstacles. I've got these hurdles. I've got these wants. I've got these desires. And I'm, and I'm begging you. I'm asking you to, to come through to the other side, to deliver me from this. So, you know, we, we sing songs about you part the seas, you make a way, you're the same God, and all these things. And we're sitting there wondering, God, where is this power in my life? Why don't I see it? Can I, can I just say this, this Christmas season, even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, even when you don't experience it, Jesus is still your mighty God. He is still powerful. He is still on a throne. He is still exercising his authority and his reign and his rule over all of creation. He is still your mighty God. And maybe, just maybe, while we're wanting God to, to desperately move and fix these, these external problems in our life, these, these mountains that we think we can't overcome, that we need him to, to step in and answer and pray through and fix for us, maybe, just maybe, he's moving in other ways that we aren't even aware of. What do I mean by that? Just, just maybe... This Christmas season, in, in the middle of your difficult circumstance, in the middle of your difficult moments, just maybe the mighty God is actually doing something in you right now. Maybe the mighty God is working in you. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi when he said this in chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. He said, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. He says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Why? For God is working in you. I, I, let's go back. I want you guys to say this with me right here. For God is giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You see, if we're honest for a lot of us, we want to be the center of our Christian faith. 
We want to be, and if we're not a Christian, we want to be the center of our, our life, right? Like we want, we want Jesus and God to fix things for us. We want him to make our life easier. We don't flat out say this to people because we know you're not supposed to say that, right? Like, like we, there is a part of us deep inside of us with the prayers that we pray, the petitions that we go to God for, the things that we think about when we're commuting on 95 for all of those hours that we're stuck doing it. When we are going to God, we are asking him to fix things in our lives to fix the problems that are a part of us, to, to change our external circumstances. But listen, I don't mean to burst your bubble this morning or to deflate your ego here, but listen, you are not the center of the universe. You are not the most important thing that exists in your life. And just maybe, just maybe, God doesn't exist to be your mighty God just to make your life easier. Maybe, just maybe, he is a mighty God, and really what he's trying to do is not to change all the external circumstances that are in your life, but he is trying to do something in and on and through your heart. You see, it's interesting. When I read the New Testament, it seems like every single person who gives their life to follow Jesus, their life does not get easier. Their life gets more difficult. Their life gets harder. Their life gets more dangerous. Why? Because the call to follow Jesus is never a call of comfort. It's never a call of security. It's never a call of ease. It is a call of countercultural living, living outside the way that everyone else lives, being something different because you no longer are in the kingdom of this world. You are the kingdom of a new world. And therefore, when you live that way, you stand out and things are not always easy and they are hard and they are difficult. But what I love about Jesus being our mighty God is he says, even in the midst of your difficult moments, I'm doing something in your heart. I'm changing something inside of you. What do I mean by that? He is a mighty God who takes you and I from being selfish, self-centered people and makes us people who are capable of love and compassion and peace and patience and goodness, and kindness, and gentleness, and self-control. Maybe, maybe this Christmas you're saying, I just don't see Jesus' power in my life. Everyone else gets the break. Everyone else gets ahead. If someone else got the promotion, everyone else's life looks good. Mine seems to be passed up. It just, my kids are not doing better than theirs. I wish my kids were not struggling as much as they are. Why does life seem so hard? Why does life seem so difficult? Things are just not going the way I wish they would around me. Maybe, just maybe this Christmas season, you need to remember the hope that Isaiah proclaimed and says, you have a mighty God who despite your external circumstances, he is moving and doing something in you your life. Paul to the Philippians, what did he say? He said, he works in you to produce the desire to do what pleases him because left apart on your own, you could never do anything good in your life. He changes you from the inside out. He is faithful to make you new. And so maybe this Christmas season, when you start to feel hopeless, you need to just go in your bathroom and look in the mirror and praise God for the person you are seeing now isn't the same person you were before. Because he changes you and he moves you. I recently had the opportunity to sit down with a sweet lady in our church by the name of Shirley. Uh, Shirley Jones, I don't know if you guys know this, but her birthday is this week. And Shirley has been at the Mount 
for 90 years. And Shirley, Shirley turns 90 this coming week and her family uh, joined her today and there are like 65 of them that joined her. And I know some of you, you lost your seats. Um, I, I, Shirley, I, I just wanna say happy birthday from the Mount. We are, we are excited for you. We actually have some flowers we wanna give you and just to celebrate you just for a moment. So Pastor John's gonna bring those up for you. But we just wanna give you these and say, Shirley, congratulations. And so I, I had the privilege to sit down with Shirley this past week in my office, um, and I just asked her, I said, Shirley, you, you have been around for 90 years. How have you seen God be mighty? And she talked for a while about all the things she has seen God do here at the Mount and in her personal life. She told me stories about like when this church, when she was a, you know, a 10-year-old girl playing the organ and all the different things that have gone on in the history of this Mount church as God has moved in mighty and powerful ways. She talked about in her own personal story how she has had moments where um, she's had health scares, but she's seen God move in powerful ways. Moments where she thought as she was driving, she was going to have an accident, but God has been faithful to deliver and keep her safe in all these moments. And I asked her at the very end of our conversation, I just said, Shirley, like, if you could summarize this, if I just ask you the question, what does it mean to you that God is a mighty God? Here's what Shirley said to me, and I'm going to quote this. And she said, he takes care of my needs. Over the past 90 years, they may not be the needs I thought I needed or I wanted, but he was faithful and powerful to take care of me and everything. I know that my mighty God, he does what is good for me even when I don't know it or want it. Church, Jesus is your mighty God. He is a God who works in you and on you and changes you. Over my almost 20 years in ministry, the thing that gets me the most excited still is hearing stories of people who are saying, here's who I was, and I thought I was unfixable. I thought I was irreversible. I thought I was so far broken and so far gone. But here's what God did in me. And I stand here today because of his power and his might. Maybe you're here this morning. In this Christmas season, God needs to do something in your heart. Maybe, just maybe, you need to let the mighty God begin to work and change you and stop fighting it so much. Not only is he working in you, but he works through you. He works through you. Check this out. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It says, but you will receive what? Everyone say this with me. You receive Oh, interesting word there, right? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is Jesus, kind of the final moments of his life. He's looking at his closest followers, the ones that are left, and he tells them, he says, listen, guys, I'm going to give you a secret. 
He says, I'm telling you to go out into the world, and I want you to change, literally change the world. I want you to take a government that was against you and one day is going to be proclaiming me in truth. I want you to change the world, turn it upside down, flip every script you've ever known, completely change it. And he looks at these guys and he says, you just being regular people, right? You had a fisherman, you had a tax collector, you had all these different people who were no one special. They were not Pharisees, they were not Sadducees, they were not the religious elite, they were not the people who had all this wealth, and he looks at them and says, you're gonna go change the world. And you have to imagine in this moment, they're like, no way. Like, this is impossible. Our savior just died. We have lost. It's over. There's nothing we can do. This whole movement, this whole church, this whole religious thing we thought we were doing, it's over. This is it. And he says, no, you're gonna change the world. How? My power. You, the ordinary everyday people, will receive power to go in and change the world. And I love when scripture references these original people. We see this in other parts of the book of Acts. It calls them this Greek word, and you're gonna know what this means, the Greek word idiotes. And what it means is the religious elite are looking at these people and they're saying, how are they able to do all of this? How are they able to make all these things occur? And it says they're just common, everyday, ordinary idiots. And we see this reference where one of them says, yes, but they've been with Jesus. Because he is a mighty God. Whether you know this or not, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are called to something bigger than yourself. You are called to a life that is more than just your comfort and your pleasure and the things that you want and need. You are called to make a difference in the world. As a follower of Jesus, you might be a teacher, you might work in the government, you might be in the military, you might be a home, homemaker, you might be a builder, you might be all of these different things, but that is not your purpose, that is your, your job, that might be your calling for now, but your purpose in life is to go and move forward his kingdom and his glory and his desires all throughout the earth, and you do that by his power. Uh, in fact, I, I'll just let you know, I stand before you as a guy today who was a guy when he was younger who struggled with every single relationship he had of ever telling the truth. As a guy who, who constantly in most of my relationships, I was fabricating lies, making things up to make things look good, but by the power of God, I now get to stand in front of people for a living and proclaim truth, not because I am good, not because I am worthy, but because God's power in human beings does amazing things to change the world. Listen to me, don't miss this. This Christmas season, you might not feel or experience or notice the power of God in your circumstances, but I can guarantee you this, if you are a follower, of Jesus, you have the power of the mighty God living in you, and he is asking you to go into the world to change your family, to change your neighborhood, to change your community, and to change your workplace, and to let his power work through you and in you. He is a mighty God. <laughs> Lastly, he works in us and through us, but he also works for us. I don't know if you know this, but our lives are filled with limitations and roadblocks. It seems like that's part of what it means to be human, right? We, we always hit some sort of wall. 
We hit some sort of roadblock. Things never go the way we anticipated. They never go the way we planned. We're always told things we cannot do. That, that condition cannot get better. The, that, that finances can never be fixed. This thing will always be broken. There's just limitations and, and roadblocks and things that can happen. There's no chance it will ever get better. But our mighty God, Jesus Emmanuel, is a God who knows nothing of limitations. He breaks every barrier. He crosses every Line. He smashes through every wall. There is nothing that can hinder him from accomplishing his goals. I mean, think about this. You and I, all of us as human beings, were in bondage and slavery to sin. We, we only knew selfishness. We only knew what we want. We only thought about us. We didn't think of others. We didn't think of God. We didn't proclaim his glory. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus came in and he said, you know what? I'm going to change that. And he looked Satan and death right in the eye. And he declared that I am the mighty God. And the thing that was supposed to be uncrossable, the thing that was supposed to be unbreakable, the thing that was supposed to be unfixable, the thing that was never supposed to change, death and the grave and the penalty of sin, he stepped in and he was the mighty God who overcame it, who fought as the valiant warrior and declared that those people, those human beings are free and they are mine. He is the God who his power works for us. He is our mighty, mighty God. He does for us what we could not do on our own. He reverses the irreversible, fixes the unfixable. He does the undoable. He saves the unsavable and changes the unchangeable. And maybe this Christmas season, you are here and you are saying, Adam, I'm unfixable. I'm unchangeable. No. He is a mighty God, and he does the impossible. Isaiah, I want to pull that, that verse of Isaiah back up one more time. Look, it says, for unto us a child is born. The birth of a child changes everything. A child was born by humbling himself to become flesh. A child was born to become the word made flesh. A child was born, and when he grew up, he appeared on the edge of the Jordan River, and his cousin John the Baptist looked at him and said, Behold that child, behold that man, behold the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. This child was the child who gathered men to round himself and says, Listen, I have a, a mission for you. I have something for you. You are going to be going to, out into the world, and you are going to change the face of the earth forever and ever and ever this child came to earth and he taught about the kingdom of God, calling people to repentance, to change, to be different. He healed people. He helped them. He made them walk again. He cured their sickness. He did all of these miraculous things. This child challenged the religious elite and said, the things that you think are true are no longer true because I am here. This child willingly laid down his life for his people. He willingly endured the humiliation and the shame of crucifixion on a cross. This child rose three days later, defeating death, defeating Satan, defeating the grave. This child is the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Listen, this child is your mighty God. 
and he wants to move and work in your life. Let me just ask you this morning, where do you want to see the mighty God move in your life? Where do you want to see his power? Where do you need his help? I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says this. He says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in my weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This Christmas season, hear me, you don't have to pretend to be mighty anymore because he who is in you is mighty. You don't have to pretend to be strong because he is strong. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm weak and you be strong. He is your mighty God. I'll close with this. Jeremiah prays to the Lord in Jeremiah 32, 17. He says this, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arms. Nothing is too hard for you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you walked in feeling or thinking, but I know this. The birth of a child changes things. And for to us, a child was born and his name is Emmanuel and he is our mighty God and nothing is too hard for him. Let's pray. Jesus, we are thankful that you are our mighty God, that you are a God who is so powerful and so overwhelmingly righteous and sovereign that we can't even describe it. God, this morning we confess that we long to see you move in us. God, we wanna be people who experience you changing us, you using us, and you fighting our battles for us. I just wonder this, this Christmas season as we continue praying, maybe you're here today, but not as some sort of salvation moment, but just as a, a cry out to the Lord in prayer. If you're saying, Adam, I've got this thing in my life, this, this mountain that I'm experiencing, and I long to see God move. I long to see his power. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand as an act of prayer? I see your hands. God, we need you to move. You are a God who does the impossible, and nothing is too hard for you. As we continue to pray in this moment, maybe you're here this morning with all of us with our, our eyes closed and heads still bowed and you're here this morning and you're saying, Adam, if I'm honest, I, I don't experience the power of God in my life because I've never committed to his kingship and his lordship. I've never had a moment where I've stopped and repented of my sins and, and turned to him in forgiveness and salvation and allowed his power that works for me to help me defeat death. This morning, I just wanna tell you that that's what Jesus wants for you. And maybe, just maybe today is the day that he has asked you to be here so that he can become your mighty God. And if that's you, just as we continue praying, right where you are, if you wanna call out to Jesus and say, Jesus, be my Lord and be my savior for the first time in my life, would you just slip up your hand right where you are? Just be bold enough to stick it up high. 
If you've got your hand up, one of our, our prayer team on any of our campuses is gonna come around and they're gonna give you a card and they just wanna be able to get some information from you and have a conversation with you after service and give you a free Bible and to pray with you and talk with you about what it means to follow the King who is mighty God. Jesus, you are good and we love you. Let's stand in worship, amen.